Welcome to Quaker Faith and Podcast, where we will explore traditional Quaker beliefs and the variety of Quaker beliefs found today. Welcome back to Quaker Faith and Podcast with Mackenzie and Micah. Um, we had a listener request to talk about the afterlife, and so that is what we are going to talk about today. Um, I guess and we've got all the answers. Sure, maybe you do. <laughs> <laughs> So for starters, in popular conception, afterlife means heaven and hell. Or if you're Catholic, then maybe also purgatory, right? Or limbo. They just, oh, got, right. they just got rid of limbo, but there used to be limbo. Uh, there's, there's this webcomic I used to read, and it's gone now, but they had an episode where there was wiki popes, and so is it like, you know, the one pope says they're unbaptized babies go to limbo. Next pope says, no, they don't. Next one says, yes, they do. And then the next one tries to switch, and then somebody comes in, hey, hey, three revert rule. Because you can only revert a page on Wikipedia three times before it's locked. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I guess maybe we should sort of define those in the general popular conception, which is... Well, actually, I think we could take a step back first and go even further out okay. and talk about popular conception separate from Christianity. Okay. Because I feel like I feel like ideas about the act. Like, first of all, pretty much every, cult, every culture I'm aware of practically... That's not quite true. Um, no, Maybe. Most cultures, probably, and all that I'm aware of, have some idea that, like, when you die, something happens to who you are, right? There's something, okay. there's something beyond, like, pretty much every culture has this idea that when an individual dies, their spirit or soul or personality or something, something about them that is uh, extrinsic to their physical form mm-hmm. goes somewhere else and stays there. Right, mm-hmm. and so the big differences in what this looks like, um, you know. But in a lot of times in the ancient world, it was the idea, including in the ancient Hebrew world, there's this idea of just sort of the underworld, and it's kind of a neutral place. It's like it wasn't really a place you wanted to be, but like when like you, being alive is better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, being alive is better, and the underworld wasn't really a place you wanted to be, but like it just was. You just went there and you hung out. Your your shade or your spirit or whatever just hung out in the underworld for the rest of eternity, and that was it. Right. Um, and this is actually an idea. Um, I guess unless what is it, Odysseus comes and rescues you, right? <laughs> but I mean, this was actually um, this is actually sort of the idea that the Hebrew that you know the Israelites the Hebrews had in the Old Testament. Uh, they talked about uh, Sheol. Sometimes in older translations, it's actually translated as hell, but that's not the word. Uh, the word is Sheol, and it means the pit. And it's basically a place where um, if you just want to imagine people as being uh, uh, electronic machines, and we've got and we've all got a battery. Right, and the battery is our soul. Um, Sheol is where, when you take the battery out of the machine, you just toss the battery into the pit because that's where all the batteries go. And it's just a, it's just a pit full of batteries sitting there, and like that's where people go when they die. Their shades just hang out in this underworld place that is not particularly awesome. There's not really anything going on there. It's just like, well, I guess this is where discarded souls go. And that's kind of why in um, the Hebrew Bible, like what is the thing that you are granted as a reward is you get to live longer mm-hmm. because you get more time of being alive before you have to go to Sheol. Right. Which again, it's not a place of torture. It's just a place of hanging out and doing nothing. Um, it's probably pretty boring. Uh, or kind of a law. Uh, but so that's a really common understanding of the afterlife in the ancient world. Um, you had different ideas. Like, you know, I learned in, I learned in grade school that the, uh, the ancient Egyptians had this idea that, you had to do all these special preparations for your soul for to be able to even get to the afterlife, right? You had to mummify so that your, so your soul had a place to fly back to and wouldn't get lost. And then 
your soul. Which going I guess otherwise you get ghosts. Maybe. Because I mean, because popular conception has that if right. if you die and you have uh, things that you were supposed to do and didn't complete, or if it was traumatic or whatever, that your spirit instead of going to wherever it's supposed to go stays on Earth and you know either wanders sadly or annoys the heck out of people or right. you know whatever right. haunting sort of thing they want to do. Yeah. And so, I mean, the Egyptians sort of had had a concept of heaven and hell in a sense where, like, you basically went and, like, they would weigh your heart um, right. and, against <laughs> the, the feather of truth. And if you had been if you were found unworthy, uh, they would they would feed you to this, uh, oh, what was it, like, a crocodile? I don't they would, like, like, eat you, eat your, soul, eat your soul, uh, and you would basically be dead, like, really dead. Otherwise, you'd go and, and live in the afterlife and have all kinds of cool stuff that hopefully you packed for your journey. Right. right, which is why your which is why the the pyramids for the uh, dead pharaohs are full of like now don't forget you know your food and your drink and your money you yeah. need that. But I think I think um, you know and, and of course there are all these different ideas of the afterlife and, and and I'm no expert I'm no expert on world religions or all the different types of afterlife there are um, you know for for Buddhism there isn't exactly an there's not necessarily an idea of afterlife as an ideal although in Enlightenment. Well, so in in what I and again I am not an expert, but in what I understand of traditional Buddhism, traditional Buddhism kept uh, kept the sort of cosmology of Hinduism, which means that there actually is there is a hell and there is a heaven and there are gods and there are demons, but like none of this is where you actually want to be because like according to like that cosmology, like if you do really well, you could become a god. If you do really terrible, you could like you know become an insect or like you know tortured in hell or whatever, right? But like what Buddhism, and again, not an expert, but in my understanding of Buddhism, what it teaches is that the goal is not to become a god, certainly not to become a demon or, you know, be tortured in hell. The goal is to exit the cycle of death and rebirth, rebirth and suffering and to exit the system entirely so that you aren't reborn as a god or as an insect, right? Um, so I feel like there, there are just like so many different like ideas about the afterlife, but it does seem like... It's a it's only, it's a it's a near universal thing. This idea that like there is something after like death, physical death of the body is not the end of human experience. Obviously, not for like um, a lot of atheism nowadays, which that might be a a modern idea that um, no, really, you're just your body. Once once the body is dead, that's it. You have blinked out of existence. Yeah. And I would say, like, again, like, there may be some cultures that I'm not aware of and I'm missing, but in, in my, in what I've read and what I've seen, like, that does seem to be a really, a really new idea, uh, this, the, the idea of, like, there being no spiritual realm at all, but just, like, when you're dead, you're dead, and that's it. There is no you besides your body. Um, but so, before we even get to, like, Christian conceptions, like, strictly Christian conceptions mm-hmm. of the afterlife, I sort of want to talk about, like, sort of pulp, pulp. American understandings of the afterlife. Okay. And these are rooted in Christianity because America as a whole, while not being a Christian nation, has it, an awful lot of Christians. And 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 you know, was built was built largely like the, the powerful people who were in charge of building this country were largely Christians or, or professed to be Christians. Um, so like Christians Christianity's influence in our pulp in our pulp culture and our pulp religion um, is is very strong. So, and I, and my observation is, and I think I'd be interested to hear what you think about this, Mackenzie, I feel like 
so much of pulp, and it's interesting because the United States is not was not predominantly founded by Catholics, mm-hmm. but I feel like the pulp or the folk uh, religion or ideas about the afterlife is just sort of like almost a secular spirituality, um, mostly come from Catholicism, in the sense of like it's like because this idea of like heaven heaven and hell is like this balance sheet situation where it's like you look at like how much good you've done, how much bad you've done. If you got bad stuff on your rap sheet, then you go to hell. You know, if you're on the good mm-hmm. side, you go to heaven. And this is very like almost uh, an old Zoroastrian thing. Like you got, you got. I, I mean, I think of a movie like Con- I, movies are a good place. I think to go to look at like sort of folk spirituality. Like think of a movie like Constantine, um, or you know, other, other seen it. Or, or Spawn, which is based I haven't on, seen that either. Based on a, based on a comic book, but like a lot a lot of movies that deal with sort of afterlife thoughts. It's very much like there are these two opposing sides. The forces of good and the forces of evil, and they're roughly equal in strength. And which side will you pick? And where will you go? And blah blah blah. Right. So I feel like that's a really strong thing of like when you think of like, or just generally, good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. Right. And then and then almost everybody being like, I am not bad people. I go heaven. Right. I could. Right. Right. <laughs> so and yeah, I think it's a pretty popular idea that like in in American folk folk religion that. Uh, Hell, hell is a place where our enemies go, and heaven is a place where our friends go. Right. Um, or uh, what's that Billy Joel song? I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. Mm. <laughs> so, like, I think, I think, like, I think, sort of the baseline spirituality around the afterlife in this country tends to be uh, heaven. Heaven is heaven is the normal thing that we should all expect. Hell is for those really bad people who need to be punished really hard. Yeah. And then, but then also Catholics do have purgatory in their right. belief structure, that, that, which is totally absent, I think, from sure. from general pop American. Yes. Uh, moral therapeutic deism is the term I have heard for <laughs> that, for that general thing that you're talking about where, where it's, you're generally good, you get heaven. Um, Sure, there's a god, but he's not really interested in a whole lot of what's going on. And because it's super, yeah. it's super interesting, right? Because most Americans at this point, most Americans are not religious, but almost all Americans believe in God. Mm-hmm. Like, if you ask most Americans, like I think it's still like in the high 80s percentile, um, the high 80 percent uh, would say, "Yes, I believe in God." Yeah. Even though most of them probably wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't darken the door of a church or a mosque or synagogue. They don't, they, they don't ascribe to particular religious beliefs in, ter- in, in terms of community. Um, but almost all Americans believe in God, which is super weird because uh, other sort of European-derived societies have mostly gone secular. Most, if not, many if not most people identify as atheists mm-hmm. or agnostics. Um, so I guess I just want to start there and like, the milieu that we're in here, like there are sort of accepted ideas about the afterlife that most people think there is one. Most people believe in heaven. Fewer people believe in hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think that in our culture in general, heaven is seen as the default, and hell is for really bad people. Mm-hmm. And and it's a thing that you can curse people with too, right? Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, well. Okay, I still do want to put in the, uh, like, explain the purgatory idea. Sure, yeah, let's, let's um, definitely do that now. So, um, purgatory is an idea that you get in Catholicism, 
um, that, um, I mean, from a strictly Protestant assurance of salvation, etc., type of evangelical perspective, you would say is because they doubted, right, or something like that. Um, but the thing is that, you know, there's stuff in the Bible where Jesus says that um, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter heaven, only the ones who do the will of the Father, who is in heaven. And so... We'll enter um, the kingdom. Okay. I will take your word for it because I'm not so good at quoting the Bible. Um, so the this idea that Catholics have about purgatory is that it is a chance after you have died, if you were not bad enough to warrant hell, but not good enough for heaven yet, that in purgatory you will be purged of your uh, remaining sins that are standing in the way. Um, basically, you're doing your time. It's like afterlife jail. And then you will move onward to heaven. And so, like, the reason that Catholics pray for dead people is praying that their sentence in purgatory will be shortened so they'll get to heaven faster. Man, one of the most, one of the most related, one of the most, like, disturbing things I've ever seen in a church uh, is I went to this uh, little Catholic uh, cathedral or church building in Mexico, and there was this... There was this uh, this uh, pedestal set up where you're supposed to give alms or you're supposed to like give a donation to the church. And above it was this person in flames and agony with their hands outstretched. And the implication being put in some money so your relative doesn't have to burn anymore. Great. <laughs> That's also what the selling of indulgences uh, in the, you know, that kicked off the, um, the Protestant Reformation was a lot of those indulgences were, paying to get your relative right. from purgatory to heaven faster. Right. There's also uh, one um, purgatorial indulgement that is, like, if you climb... There's a set of stairs that supposedly if you um, basically go up the stairs on your knees, praying on every step, then whatever relative you're praying for immediately moves from purgatory to heaven. Oh, um, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, there's also, it's a very long stairway. Yeah. Um, stairway to heaven? Literally, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if there's a bustle in your head, Okay, um, so... So it's purgatory. Yeah, so that, that's purgatory. Um, and then, of course, there are different ideas about how purgatory works and things like that. Um, and we mentioned limbo as being a baby. That's where dead babies go. Or maybe they go to purgatory. And who was it? Was that Benedict who got rid of purgatory or limbo? I don't know. Like, well, like I said, it's gone back and forth in, so many times yeah. over the last 1500 years. In our life, in our lifetime, I forget when, like I think since I was an adult, uh, the Catholic church got rid of limbo and said, okay. no, but I don't know where they said the babies went. Maybe they went to heaven. I don't know, or maybe purgatory. I'm not sure which. Oh, purgatory, maybe, yeah. Because they're, they're not baptized. Right, because they're not baptized, so they would still have original sin in mm. Catholic conception. Boom. Oh, jeez. <laughs> 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 oh. So, um, but yeah, I think I think in the I think in the in the Roman Catholic and perhaps other high church conceptions of sin, uh, you. Purgatory is for folks who have who have, still have unconfessed sin, but there's not mortal sin. But there are certain sins, like if you haven't confessed those sins, you automatically go to hell. Like murder, for example. Right. Yeah. The yeah the Catholic Church at least makes a distinction between mortal sins and venial sins, and and yeah one of them can purgatory can deal with, and the other one it can't. 
Um, blasphemy is one that purgatory cannot deal with, mm-hmm. for instance. Um, but yeah, that's also why that's a good point that that's why Catholics have confession um, as a sacrament, mm-hmm. as opposed to just you know when you do wrong to somebody, tell them you did wrong to them and apologize, right. which is how. I think most other Christians interpret confession. Well, and this was this was an enormous deal. Particular, I mean, still is obviously for millions of Catholics across the world, but for virtually all Christians uh, in Europe in the Middle Ages, this was an enormous preoccupation. Right. Was making sure that you had confessed recently and of everything, so that you wouldn't go to hell when you died, because people like more so than today, people often died suddenly. Mm-hmm. And that was actually the greatest one of the greatest fears of the medieval Christian was dying suddenly. People wanted to know they were dying. So they'd have time to see their confessor. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so we've talked about general afterlife stuff, Christian afterlife stuff, some Catholic per- per- particularities. Um, so, okay, so Quakers. That gets a lot harder. because, Especially because, as we said a few episodes ago, when Quakerism started, they thought it was the end times and that they were the last generation. So they weren't particularly worried about what happens when you die. We're not going to die before Jesus comes. Right. It's happening right now. Right. Eventually they died. Spoiler. I think it's really hard. To, I think it's like more than most subjects, actually, because it is hard with most subjects to say, here's what Quakers believe. Right. But I think even more than with most subjects, it's difficult to say what Quakers believe about the afterlife because I hate, I hate this phrase. I think, I think it's actually a, problem, a very problematic phrase, which is, in effect, like a doctrine. Uh, but it's a common phrase when Quakers say, well, and maybe it's other denominations too, well, ask 10 Quakers, you'll get 12 opinions. Uh, yes, that's a common uh, thing for Jews to say as well. Mm-hmm. But I think in this particular case, that's legitimately true. I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's actually a corporate witness on the afterlife among friends at all. I don't think there ever has been. I don't think so either. And um, like a couple of years ago, a, a friend of mine, I just said, Jews also have the many opinions thing. But a couple of years ago, I was, I was catching a ride from a, a Jewish friend, and, and he's like, so you're a Quaker now. And like, you know, we hadn't seen each other in years. And... Um, and so he was asking me about that, and he asked, what do we believe about the afterlife? And my answer was that, you know, that we don't have, like, a real defined theology of it. And basically the result of that is that individually we just sort of trust that, you know, God is merciful and um, whatever God decides, that's what's going to happen. But, you know, God's merciful, God loves us, so hopefully it'll work out. And um, he actually said that that's also a really common sentiment for Jews. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's a healthy sentiment. Um, I think, you know, all of us perhaps have our own ideas about what does or doesn't happen after an individual's death. But the fact is that none of us, none of us have any personal experience with, with dying. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, it's not clear to me how helpful it is to speculate about what happens after death. Um, the teachings, the teachings of the, of, of Jesus, the teachings found in the Bible, um, the traditions of the church, uh, the, the, the leadings of the Holy spirit, all of these, uh, are completely sufficient to lead us into the way of Jesus into the way of right living, um, without any reference to something after we die. Um, 
a promise of heaven or a threat of hell, whether or not those are accurate depictions of how the world really is, neither of them are necessary for the Christian life. Right. Yeah. And I guess it's part of that whole trusting God with whatever's going to happen is if we're doing what God wants, then I'm sure it'll work out. Like if we're being faithful, then why should we have to be concerned about the afterlife? I'm sure God will take care of us. And, and, you know, I've heard, I've, I've seen people say like, uh, if you're only a good person because you're afraid of going to hell, then you're not really a good person. I, I would, I would say at this point that, um, in Orthodox Christian theology, people don't go to heaven for being good people because no one's good. Uh, so I mean that, and that's right. a that's a difference between between folk Christian folk folk religion in this in this country mm-hmm. and Orthodox Christianity, which mm-hmm. is Orthodox Christianity teaches that all of us stand condemned, uh, like by default by our own behavior, by our own attitudes, and by our own fallenness and wickedness, and that. Uh, it is through relationship with God and with the Son Jesus through the Holy Spirit that we can be transformed, and and then not be, not be in wrong relationship with God. Mm-hmm. But like the default, like so, if if you do believe in in, in an afterlife hell, I certainly believe in hell in this life because I've been there. Um, so in whatever form you believe hell to be, um, hell is for all of us. Hell is something we can all experience, and all should expect to experience as long as we hate God. And hate other people. So, actually, mentioning the the present life hell versus afterlife hell, um, and, and well, I'm saying if you believe in afterlife hell, right? Right. Um, so that made me think of two things. One of them was before the episode I said I said to you about purgatorial universalism as as a thing, and that's um, that there was a desert father, which is like one of the real old church guys back in the beginning of the church who lived way out in the desert like a hermit. OG Christian. <laughs> Origin. He he put forward the idea of purgatory, or he was a proponent of purgatorial universalism, and it was a pretty popular idea that um, everybody goes to purgatory and is there for however long is necessary and, and pur- eventually makes it to heaven. And even if you don't believe that this is your chance, like, you know, this is the idea that non-Christians could end up in heaven because after they die, they'll go, oh, okay, and get with the program and end up in heaven eventually. Um, so that's that's one thing related to the after. In which case, hell exists but is empty. Um, the other thing is that I was talking to one of our friends, um, Eric, and about um, heaven and hell and walls, and he pointed out that in the Bible it does not actually say anything at all about heaven having walls. Um, as I said in a previous episode, the pearly gates are in the New Jerusalem, not in heaven. What's the difference? Um, I mean, the New Jerusalem descends out of heaven. It's not in heaven itself. I guess, okay, continue. I don't mean to Okay, um, but that there's a bit in one of the Gospels, probably Matthew, where Jesus says that um, the gates of hell will not stand against the kingdom. And so that sort of in his conception, and I really like this one, that um, the kingdom of heaven, as it is breaking forth into the world, you know, through people, um, you know, that that is itself pushing back on on hell, and um, 
ultimately the you know the, the Lambs War being won to tie this back to you know the beginning of this season, <laughs> ultimately the Lambs War being won would result in hell being an empty place because heaven has overrun it since the gates will not stand against it. What was something else that's interesting about that is like this reference to the gates of hell. Um, hell apparently has gates, and the New Jerusalem has walls. And for me, for me, New Jerusalem and, and heaven are synonymous. Um, but uh, the New Jerusalem has walls, but its gates are always, always open. open. Right. That's interesting. I wonder why hell would have gates. To keep people in? But you'd think... You'd think... Uh, well, to, in, in So I think of someone like C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. who's an extreme... For those who haven't heard of him or haven't read him, he's an extremely influential 20th century... Uh, Christian thinker. He also wrote Narnia. He also wrote Narnia. Um, But he writes about hell. And for Lewis, hell is a place that we choose to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, like, we actively choose to be. That, like, it's not like anyone is forced to be there. They continually choose to be there. Um, Anyway, like, for for, for someone who is interested in reading a little bit more about hell from a very interesting perspective that I think you will appreciate... I recommend C.S. Lewis's *The Great Divorce*. Um, he he talks about he talks about heaven and hell and and sort of il- illustrates it with an image of what these places are like and it's it's uh, it's not what you expect. You can find us on the web at QuakerPodcast.org, as Quaker Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Patreon, and on iTunes. Thank you.